Hello, and welcome to Are You Going to Eat Your Fat? This podcast is a resource dedicated to those struggling with eating disorders. If you are struggling with an eating disorder or know someone who is, maybe a brother, sister, daughter, wife, we want to be here to provide resources and offer hope. I am Dina Lewis, and I'm here with my husband, co-host, Brian Lewis. We are not doctors, but we do come with more than 20 years' history in dealing with eating disorders. Whether you found us on purpose or by mistake, whatever the case, we hope by the end of this episode you have learned something, or at least, if you are struggling, you do not feel alone. Hi, and welcome to Are You Gonna Eat Your Fat? My name is Dina. Today, I thought I would talk a little bit about my relationship with food now versus then during my eating disorder. When sometimes I call Brian, my husband, his relation with food, I kind of call him a normie because my relationship with food is obviously kind of complicated. Even with all these years that have passed, there's days that I am just fine, can make it, eat it, move on with life. Other days there is a struggle. So I really have to recognize sometimes and be very aware of what's going on at that moment or that day that might be the reason I might be struggling. And maybe it has nothing to do with food, but that's been what I've used in the past to counteract whatever I'm dealing with. So usually, like I said, I've called Brian my normie. I mean, I'm sure everybody has some kind of issue with food, but the reason I call him that is because this is my perspective. When Brian sees something, he'll eat it, enjoy it, and move on. I don't see any like guilt or shame from eating it, but I'm not like that. I'll give a for instance. For our family, we started it many, many years ago where we've decided that Friday night is pizza night and ice cream night in our family. And we all look forward to it. And it's my one day I kind of would say, I don't want to say indulge is the right word, but I kind of just let myself enjoy. And that's fine. And that's that day. If we'll say, for instance, so we have the Friday night, we do our pizza and ice cream and say we go somewhere with maybe family members or some other type of situation. And all of a sudden we're there and either pizza is offered again and that's the only thing to eat or there's some type of dessert. And I'm thinking in my head, wait a minute, I just had my kind of indulgence and my sweet for the week. And now here it is again. And I have to think for a second, am I restricting by not being a regular person, quote unquote, and following through and doing what everybody else is doing? Or is this okay to kind of skip this and do something else? There's times I've gone through it and I've had, we'll say, pizza for that second night in a row or whatever that item was. But for me and my abstinence and my recovery, I've never thought of sugar as really part of my food plan. When I first entered treatment, some of the first things that they take away are sugar and caffeine. And if you want to see a bunch of crazy women, take away their caffeine. I'm just saying. Now, I never have been into coffee, so that was no big deal for me. But because I'm sure some of you can relate, reading lots of labels and having a lot of fat-free foods during my eating disorder time, when you take out the fat, it is replaced with sugar. So... You're coming down on a low because all of a sudden everything drops and you get cranky because you don't have that sugar in your system anymore. Well, once we integrated it back a little bit into our meal plan in treatment, 
it was okay. But at sometimes I'd almost get kind of sick over it because I had taken it out for a good period of time that my body wasn't used to it. And when I started eating more protein, I wasn't having the cravings for the sugar. So I don't look at it as restricting, but then I also, I don't want to have the fear that goes along with it because sometimes I thought at times, oh my gosh, I'm going to eat this and whatever I eat is going to go right to my thighs or it's going to go right to my stomach. And I had to kind of relearn and retrain that, you know, it's going to kind of disperse itself all over your body, not just in one place. So I just wanted to move on with that. But anyway, throughout my eating disorder, I never found or admitted to myself or others any type of enjoyment over food. I felt that if I showed enjoyment or that I liked it, that I wouldn't be able to stop eating it. And that would lead to me getting fat and I wouldn't be able to stop. That was just something that I faced. And to this day, sometimes I can't say that I always enjoy what I'm eating, but I try to. I guess that's just me. In other words, I guess I kind of used food as a weapon at some point, especially towards the end of my eating disorder, because there were times when if there was a family gathering, like we got together for at one of my brother's houses or something like that, it always seemed to like conclude the evening by everybody getting in chairs. And it felt like everybody was in a circle and they were just all speaking to me and at me, not necessarily asking me questions. It was just being bombarded with fear, which I understood, anger, frustration. And I remember leaving a lot of those family meetings and thinking, just watch. I'm going to lose 10 more pounds and I'm going to show you guys. Well, the only person that hurt was really me. It hurt my family too, but I mean, eventually it was hurting everybody. When I first entered treatment, my first night in treatment at Monacatini, my second treatment stay, I think I had come in around dinner time and I had to say goodbye to my husband and then it was almost like dinner time right away. And I remember walking in and they had this island in the kitchen was square and all the girls were pretty much sitting at the table and some of us had to sit at the island because there just wasn't enough room. And I remember seeing the plate. I don't remember exactly what the food was at the time. I just remember thinking, holy hell, how am I going to do this? I haven't eaten this much food in forever. And I just started crying. I don't remember if I was crying internally or I was crying at the table because my stomach was probably the size of like a little egg or something because of all the restricting I had done over the time. But I had to start eating. So I did. But I do remember that by the end of the meal, I still had plenty of food on my plate, I'm sure. And I remember one of the staff coming up to me and she said to me, we usually don't do this, but I'm going to let you leave the table or leave the kitchen this time, but this will never happen again. And I remember that as plain as day. I think they knew like they were going to have to gradually feed me along the way because my stomach was so small and it was going to have to stretch quite a bit to take in these meals. But I do remember the fear that came along with that first meal and not knowing anybody and not knowing what their ultimate goal was because everybody seemed to me like they wanted to change me or make me into something else. And I just didn't trust anybody. But overall, I think when I was in treatment, one of the great things I think they did that overall helped me recover or be in recovery was that in comparison to my first stay, 
I would just order my food and it would be brought to me. And then I could discard it if I wanted it to and nobody could see anything or they figured I'd just eaten it. In this and second stay, we were a part of the meal planning. We would sit down at the table with the girls and we would discuss what the meal plan was for the week. It was always had to be checked by the doctors because there was not going to be any like boiled chicken and broccoli. There was not going to be any meals like that. They were going to have to be a little challenging along the way. Another great thing was it was a big kitchen and we all had days that we were going to have to cook. And we weren't cooking alone. We were cooking with the other girls. And it took some time for me to get to that point because I think I've shared before when I first got into treatment, I sat a lot. That's all I did because they were so afraid because my weight was so low that I'd have a heart attack. So when it came to the time I could participate in helping with the meals, you know, we'd all be in the kitchen. We'd all be making sure that whatever we ate was going to feed everybody else because everybody's meal plan was different. Some people were trying to maintain. Some people were trying to gain. Some people were probably trying to even lose a little bit at times. But every meal plan was very different from everybody else's. So I think having a hands-on approach in treatment is one of the best ways of having a better outcome when it comes to recovery. Because when you get home, there's going to be nobody bringing you dinners. You have to participate in that. And that helped when I went home because I was able to have recipes that I'd already made in treatment that I could bring home and make right there. You know, I want to make sure that everybody knows that eating disorders have nothing to do with willpower. I'm a very strong-minded person, and I push through a lot of things, and I don't let myself slack, I guess, in other words. I push myself probably too much and don't give myself much credit or time to just relax. So I do have a lot of willpower, but willpower doesn't have anything to do with beating this disease. I've heard people say, well, if they had the willpower or if they're strong enough or just eat, has nothing to do with it. That's just ignorance. Nothing to do with it. Changing my thoughts and actions was going to take time. And that's why, again, I really believe in long-term care. I know it may not be for everybody because I'm hoping that we can make some changes. My plan is to write to Congress so that people can afford to go to treatment and get good treatment. But it was going to take time, and the first thing I had to really do was to recognize I had a problem. And when I really recognized I had a problem, then I could work on mending my body, myself, my mind, physically, spiritually, altogether. That took more than seven months to come back. I mean, I started at 56 pounds, I think in that seven and a half months or so, I got to my goal weight of 124. And that's a lot of weight to gain in that kind of, to me, a shorter period of time. But it was gradual. And with it came patience, a lot of denial at times. But I do know that I was in treatment with other women that had some lasting long-term effects from what they had done to their bodies. I, thank goodness, have not, I've been blessed to not have any long-term effects But I was with some women that they would have these children like Ethiopia where they have the extended stomach. I had a girlfriend there that had that and would continue to have that for the rest of her life. I had a friend, we've talked about it before, that she couldn't produce her in her eye ducts any tears. 
due to some of the things, how she was treated with her eating disorder. Uh, there was another girl that I know, she would binge and purge, so we'd have to be really careful when we made meals that they weren't bulky types of meals because those meals would automatically make her just having that reflex to want to binge and purge. So there are some long-term effects that come with how we've treated our body, and I'm surprised that I haven't had any. I'm very blessed and grateful for that. But I have luckily been able to rebuild my relationship with food. It has been a long, complicated process. We talked on last week's episode about the voices, and I think I've noticed at times that those voices have come back in, and that seems to complicate my food choices. And sometimes, I'll speak for myself, I can get so caught up in the moment because that voice is just so strong and it feels stronger than me at the time or at the moment. The only thing I can really recommend is try your best to reach out to somebody during those times because I've just had an experience with it myself where last Friday night I wasn't feeling well. My husband had been sick and then I got sick and I'm not one to get sick too often. And I had really been doing my same usual thing that I do without taking much rest. He's on a different type of food plan and I was kind of looking at what he was doing and I was like, well, I feel like I'm eating more than he is and maybe I should do this or that. And at the end of the night, I went up to Brian and I said, I think I've relapsed. And I was just in tears. Now, I know that I've said that relapse is a part of recovery and it's true. But at that moment, I just felt like everything I had worked for all these years had just flushed away. and it broke my heart. And Brian said to me, well, tell me how you relapsed. And I said, well, I was thinking this. I wasn't really doing anything. I said, like, the voices were telling me this, and I was thinking this. And he said, did you act on it? And I was like, no, but it feels like I did. And he's like, it's okay. You didn't. And I think part of it had to do with, I wasn't really listening to my body at the moment. I was not feeling well. And I just pushed myself to continue doing what I normally would do, even though I was not feeling good. So I want you to remember, and I have to remind myself, the best thing I can do when I get in those moments is try and pull myself out and reach out to somebody and say, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm hearing. Can you just help me through it? And just last night, I said something to Brian. He had gone to the gym and he came back home and I said, oh my gosh, Brian, it started happening again. He goes, what started happening again? And those voices were telling me, like, you didn't have enough of the almonds or you should have had this. You shouldn't have taken a walk or whatever. And he just hugged me. It was great. It's what I needed at the moment. So even I have hard days. But it's just about recognizing why. I'm going to give an example, but my family would eat spaghetti for dinner. And I would decide, like, well, I'm not going to have the spaghetti. I'm going to have something else later to replace that starch or whatever. And I really have to look at it and ask myself, why am I replacing that starch? Is it a fear or is it, it's not a fear and I'm just going to do something different? And I really have to ask myself that and internally say, if it's something that I keep thinking about and it keeps going over and over in my head, then it's something I need to face. And usually when I face it, it's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Anyhow, 
I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast episode or in the last episodes. It does my heart so much good to know that people are listening because I really want to put a voice out there to people that don't have one right now. I know what you're feeling. You're not alone. And to all the parents out there that are feeling like they can't do anything about it, you know, just love your kids and let them know that you're there for them. If there's something that Brian and I can do, reach out to us. If it's just talking, if it's finding a place that you can send your child to, great, let us help you. But at the meantime, if you parents just need to talk and you're frustrated, we're here to listen. Anyway, I just want to thank everybody for everything, but I want to remind everybody of my Facebook group, Are You Going to Eat Your Fat? We also have our website up. It's areyougoingeteatyourfat.com. It's not completely done. We're going to add some things to it. And also at the end of February, beginning of March, we're going to have the Eating Disorder Awareness Day is coming up. And I will try and post things on the website. I know there's some walks and different things in different states and areas around. So I'll try and let people know about that. I hope you all have a great week. And I'm going to end it with the serenity prayer. Thanks so much. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it. You are worth it. Love you guys. Take care. Thank you for joining us. If you found this podcast useful or we have given you hope and you want to reach out and contribute, feel free to do so at eatthatfat at gmail.com. That's eatthatfat at gmail.com. Our pledge to you is that every penny that we get in contributions goes to production costs and keeping the lights on. We will not pay ourselves, but anything above and beyond production costs will go to benefit organizations that specialize in eating disorders. Please reach out to us if you need resources or you just need to talk. You are not alone and there are people who care. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, so work it. You are worth it. <music>